Thank you for listening to this sermon from Goodwill Church, located in New York's Hudson Valley. Goodwill Church is on a mission to be a hub of revival in the Northeast and beyond. For more information about our church, please visit goodwillchurch.org. Now, here's the sermon. Have you ever found yourself hearing or receiving what seems to be a word of correction where you felt that you were doing everything right. In other words, it was almost as if this word of correction came out of nowhere. You know, sometimes it happens at our workplace, right, where, where the day prior your supervisor tells you what a great job you are doing and that this facility and, or place of work would not be where it's at apart from your con- contributions to the job. And then the next day, there's a letter of reprimand, and they call everybody into the conference room, and they're telling you all the things that you're not doing right. And all of a sudden, you find yourself like, huh? Does this apply to me? Does, I, I thought I was doing everything right. I thought my supervisor was happy with everything that I was bringing to the table. And, and all of a sudden, I'm getting this correction. And, and sometimes in life, those two opposites find themselves in our lives. Kevin and Young would say right, that the job of a preacher, and I believe he's quoting someone else, is to comfort those who are afflicted. And at the same time, with the same message, trusting the Holy Spirit, sometimes it is to afflict those that feel themselves comfortable. Right? And And sometimes those messages are hard because not everybody is in the same place in life. Not everybody is in the same place in their walk with God. And and also we have a message like what we are going to hear today, and it's how do I reach everyone, right? And, and, And a part that... I need to remember, I just need to do the work that has been called for me to do and then trust the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does because let me tell you, sometimes I'll preach something and, and you guys will come back to me and go, boy, Jose, that thing that you said really, and it's like, well, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's working it out, right? As I'm faithful to 
um, the scripture, but also as you are faithful as the ones receiving what God has for you, right? And, and, and this is an amazing letter that we've been going through. I hope you've been enjoying it, right? And, and in this letter, we're at this place where all of a sudden it seems for a moment that John veers off, right? And, and, and all of a sudden he goes from admonishing to providing a word of assurance. And we need to remember, right, that this letter was really addressing a problem within the church that John was in in Ephesus. And there was a group of individuals, Gnostics, and they had this different kind of belief, and they believed in knowledge, um, a level of mysticism. You know, they, they believe that their attitude was bitter, bigger and better than those that they felt was underneath them. Right. So we have to remember what we already learned, right? So in f- chapter 1, at verse 6, we are reminded, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. And then in chapter 2, at verse 4, he says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandment is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And through our study of God's word, we learn that we already went through two different types of tests that scripture holds for us. The first was moral, in other words, to our obedience, obligation to the things that God calls us to and how we relate with one another. The second one is in reference of how do we love our brother and or sister. Next week, the third test is in reference to our doctrine, in reference to what Scripture tells us of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Right. But when we look at these verses and we remember where we ended up last week at verse 11, right? and I'll just read that for us. This is a chapter 2. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And then you would think... From verse 11, the next thing John would say is, do not love the world. But before that, he has this thing about little children, fathers, young men. And you can see, if you have your scripture, it's almost stylized, written, a little bit different than the rest of the passage. So what's John trying to convey right, to the listener, the one receiving this letter? Why has he created one section? So it's only three verses, right? 
verses 12, 13, and 14, where all of a sudden, in the middle of his admonishment, he's going to remind the listeners who are in this church that even though I'm, I'm sending a word of correction, I want you believers in Jesus Christ to have a level of assurance. Right. In, in other words, take what you're hearing. If it applies to you, then do the work that's needed. But if it doesn't apply to you, remember that word, the word that you're supervising. You are doing a great job. Right. This other stuff is for somebody else. Right? So all of a sudden, what John is writing takes a little detour in these three verses. Right? So we are going to look at these verses. And what I did was I combined the verses that are meant for children, the verses that are meant for fathers, and the verses that are meant for young individuals. Right? So they are out of place, out of how they are written. But it's ultimately just to show you what John is trying to convey. Right? So in verse 12, and then also in part C of verse 13, you have John writing to what he would call little children. Now, this isn't in reference to age, right? It's in reference to maturity in your walk with Christ, right? And, 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 and in these th three sections, right, he is writing, right? He's actively writing this message to them, but then he writes, right? And so he starts off, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. Right? In other words, they have received the message contained in the gospel, and their lives have been transformed. Right? So there are new believers. There might be new believers here. That you might be a believer in the last month or so. Right? So the church cannot expect you to know certain things that you don't know. Right? And those things apply to us today. So if you're reading and hearing a word of correction, John wants you not to take that on. But he wants you to be encouraged. Right? John's not talking about the act of salvation. He is talking, how does somebody live after they're saved? Right? So he's saying, little children... Because your sins are forgiven for his namesake, right? He wants you to know that, right? He wants, and in other words, he has stopped and said, you know what, it's, this message has been to this group of individuals, and there's a good chance that the whole church is hearing this message of correction. I need to encourage my children. to receive this word of encouragement. Right? But, but here's what I need you to be discerning right now. Out of these three groups of individuals, right, where do you find yourself? 
Do you find yourself as a little child? Do you find yourself as a father? Or do you find yourself as one of the young men? Right? And then he talks about fathers. And, and, and for some reason, he pretty much says the same thing right, in verse 13, part A, and then 14, part A. Right? I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Right? And, and we learn that when John, in this particular letter, as he's writing about the beginning, right, it's, it's the beginning of the gospel message being proclaimed to the world. And that gospel message has to do with Jesus Christ, who they heard, they touched, they felt with their hand. But these fathers that John is addressing are those that have been in relationship with God for a long time. Right? And, and in other words, they have heard hundreds of sermons. They have known what it is to walk with God. They have been spiritual fathers for those who are under them. Right? So when we use the word fathers, we mean fathers and mothers. Right? We're not just excluding one group from the other. Right? We, we mean both. And then he would write to the young man, I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Right, so when you look at these groups of individuals, right, you, you have the new believer, right? The new believer who is kind of anxious and they're willing to take the world, right? You have the spiritual fathers who say, hey, let's take an assessment before we move, right? So, so they wrangle back the new believer. But then you have these young guys, right? Scripture would call them strong, Right? So, so in the language that John is writing, right, that strong piece means they're the ones that are willing to go out there and fight. Right? The old men are not going to fight. They're going to guide and direct. The young men still don't have the tools they need. Right? And, but the young men who are strong, right, they are the ones who have the word of God in them. They are the ones who are abiding in God. Right? This is where discipleship has been going on for a long time. Right? And, and, and as discipleship happens, it goes in one direction and one direction only. And, and maybe you're getting distracted. Right, because you go, isn't there more of life than this? 
But John would remind them, the word of God is in you, abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. It's not that they have overcome the evil one. It's that Christ who is in them has overcome the evil one, and they are living in the very life that God has laid out for them. Right? So, so again, it's, it, there's two sides of the coin, right? So this is a word of encouragement, right? And now we will turn our attention, and Scripture will now take a hard stand. Right? Scripture now is going to admonish us, right? And... And admonish us is to give us a word of direction, a word that's going to lead and guide. Too many of us at times think that we can live this life with two feet on either side of the world. One for God and one because I have God. You know what? This is not going to bother me. Right? And... And according to John, what we heard is that, right, it's, it, if you do one, then you hate the other, right? It's God really just lays down the line, right? So in one sense, he's saying, you're doing a great job. Salvation is not in question here, but how you live out your faith, the choices that you make can impact your journey. And now he starts, right? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? And and here's where you and I need to understand an important word in Scripture, right? And, and that's the word world, right? And because that is a word that is used in the Old Testament quite a few times. And if you don't have a proper understanding of the definition of the word world and how John is using it, you are going to have an incorrect theology. And if you have an incorrect theology, that can then impact the decisions you make in your life and how you live your life. Right, so I'm going to go through this kind of quickly, but... Again, it's really so that we would have a biblical understanding of this particular word, world. Right? So it occurs 168 times in the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, it is 77 times. And then in this particular letter, 1 John, it shows up 23 times. So John, as an author, he uses it 100 times. Right? So one of the questions we have to ask ourselves, well, every time he uses it, does it mean the same thing? Or does it mean something else? Right? So word in the Greek is cosmos. Right? 
The first definition is the sum of all created things, the universe. And again, this is a brief definition, and we can see this in the Gospel of John, John 1, verse 10, part B, where it says the world was made through him, right? Everything out there, everything in here, everything, the universe. The second definition is as the dwelling place of men, the earth, right? John 3, 19, the light has come into the world. Jesus came into earth, right? He was here, present. You can see that that definition is much different than the first one, where he's creating out there. When we look at this definition, this definition has to do with the things you enjoy, right? Whether it's nature, whether it's the things that you can see. When you go on vacation and you go to the beach or the mountain, Right? The created thing, the earth. And Jesus, he, the light of the world, came into the thing that we enjoy. And then the third definition is the world as the dwelling place of sin and of sinners. Right? And, and we can see that these three definitions are very different on how we can understand them. And this third definition really has two possibilities. Right? So it's important to know, well, how are we coming to understand this? So the first possibility, in reference of understanding the world as the dwelling place of sin and of sinners... Right? is that the fallen creation is in subjection to the evil one. Right? And then I have some verses I'm going to give us to support this definition. Right? So John 12, 31 says, the ruler of this world, meaning the devil, Satan. He would go on to say in 1 John 5, 1, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. He who is in the world, right? So Satan who is in the world. And that is 1 John 4, 4. But then for us as believers, 1 John 4, 4 says, He, we, who were chosen, taken out of the world. And then we learn that this world, which is fallen, will hate you and me as believers. Right? So, so that's one understanding of the fallen world. Right? So again, if you don't have a proper understanding of this term, world, a word that for most of us is simple when we say it in English, world, Right? But if we don't understand how Scripture is applying this word, we can have an improper understanding. We can have an improper theology. Right? So that's on one side. On the other side, this same world, this fallen world, God has an attitude towards it. Right? It is the object of God's love. This fallen creation. 
And we see this in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have life. Right? He goes on to say in 1 John 4.9b, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Right? And in, in other words, God is redeeming the very thing that has fallen, right? 1 John 2.2, which is a verse we learned um, last week. He is the propitiation for our sin and not for our only, but for the sins of the world, right? In other words, his Death upon the cross has satisfied the wrath of God. Right? So it's important to know, well, when we use this word world, well, how do we understand it? And we can see one verse that we know, but it's a verse that uses these three different definitions in one verse. Right? And that is in John 1.10 where it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. See? He was in the world, earth, and the world was made through him, the universe, yet the world did not know him, the fallen creation. Right? Three words, three different definitions. Now, knowing this, we're going to go back. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Right? All of a sudden, it's pretty simple once you have that understanding. Right? In other words, if you love God, according to God's word, you cannot love the world, right? So sometimes, right, it's, especially when we are young believers or maybe children, right? So I'm saved. So mom, dad, why can't I watch that movie? Because that's of the world, right? And because I am your spiritual father and mother and physical father and mother, you cannot watch that movie. That's not fair. That's not good. All my friends are seeing it, going to it. It's, I'm going to feel left out. Yes, that's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to be different. Because we are in the world, we are not of the world. He says, do not love the world. Right? And so now you ask yourself, how many places in my life through my choices do I go right up against that boundary? Right? Where? If somebody did not know that I was a believer, they wouldn't know because of the choices and the things that I do or say. I said last week, right, that friends of ours want to invite me to their three-day retreat. Right? And here's one of their requirements that they said to me, Pastor, so if you come, 
Are you going to bring your pastor hat on with you? Because we like to have fun, right? And I said, well, what do you mean? It's not as if I could stop being a pastor, right? It's not as if I could put my, my calling on hold so that I can have fun with you guys, right? Then my question to them is, what are you doing? <laughs> that you would have to screen me to be able to come to your retreat. Is it a retreat? Or is it a retreat sprinkled with a little fun? Right? And, and they say to me, oh, we just don't want you to mess it up for us. I'm a fun guy. How can I mess it up for you? Right? And I believe, right, because I'm a reminder of this verse, do not love the world. Right? They want to have a foot in both worlds. And again, and it's not to say they're doing anything bad. Right? But I, I think they just want to let loose and, and not be on guard. Right? But as believers, we need to be on guard. Right? He then says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the, the, the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Right? And, and I can spend a lot of time here, and then you're going to get upset with me and say, you know what? It's, it's time. It's like you're... you're you're preaching like one of those Presbyterian guys, right? And, and so, so here's what I'm going to say, right? Um, right? Because there's no better place that can explain these verses than Scripture itself, right? So if we were to look at Galatians 5, starting at verse 16, he says... This would be Paul, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For those who oppose, for those who are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the work of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the things like these, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? And, and then we have the gifts of the Spirit to follow. Right? So I'll let you read those um, when you get home. Right? But, but we can see that the desires of the flesh can lead us astray, lead us away from God. Right? And sometimes the desires of the flesh is, I want what I want because I want it and I deserve it. It should be mine. You know what? I've worked here for a year, two years, three years, Where's my promotion? And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, right, 
something that was being a blessing to you becomes now a hindrance to you. But then I ask myself, right, where in Scripture do I see these things being played out, right? And if we were to go to the Gospel of Matthew, right, chapter 4, and this is where Jesus is tempted, right? And and I'm not going to read the whole thing, right? But after his 40 days in the wilderness... Near the end of that, Satan shows up, right? And he says, right? You see these stones? Why don't you turn them to bread if you're so hungry, right? That's the desire of the flesh. He then takes them to the top of the temple and shows him, right? Everything that he can have. And Jesus answers him in reference to how incorrect that is, right? Because he says, come to the top of the temple and throw yourself off and, and, and the angels will come and, and gather you before your foot hits the ground. And Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And, and then he Shows him everything. He says, everything can be yours. If you would do one thing and one thing only, just worship me. Right? And Jesus rebukes that and then Satan leaves him. Right? But, but here's the thing, right? As we have the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you see here this ungodly Trinity. The very thing that will rip your soul away. Right? It's just think of pride. Right? And and usually pride is connected with being coveting of somebody else's things, right? Sometimes it is a position at work. Sometimes it's the person living next to you and, and they have certain things and, and you look at what they have and you go, man, I would like that. Right? Man, I would like to have a vacation home. Man, I, w- I would like to be able to live the life they're living, not knowing all that they needed to go through in life in order to get everything they have in life. Because we're not signing up for the pain and suffering they went through. We're signing up for the things we see, the things our flesh is desiring. And John would say that all of that is connected to our desire for the things of this world, the fallen things. Right? And he would give us two answers. Is not from the Father but is from the world, right? So if you was to take out the middle part, right, he would say, for all that is in the world is not from the Father, but is from the world, right? 
In, in, in other words, the things that you think are going to bring you comfort and peace are going to let you down. The job that you think is going to provide more money will not be enough money for you to have a happy life. The house that you want that is going to provide more room and more space for you to have all your things is going to be a burden upon you. Because now you got to take care of the thing that you have. Now I got to paint. Oh, right. Imagine that you and I have to go out and cut our lawn just for us to experience leisure time. Right? It's not as if the lawn cuts itself, but that's your lawn. That's my lawn. We got to take care of it. Right? So that's a work that we don't get paid for, but we still got to do. And then we get upset at the neighbor because he's able to hire somebody. <sighs> Look, they even we whack. <laughs> it's like, like for me, I, I don't mind mowing, but the weed whacking is like, I'm done, right? And here's, again, there's no better place than to go to Scripture, right? In James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Right? An enemy of God. You can't have it both ways. You can't say in your own private life, this isn't fair. You have to remember that as you, as an individual, as you received Christ, you were purchased. Which meant that your address immediately changed at that moment. So whether you are a child, whether you are a father or a young person, in your walk with God, you no longer have your permanent address here. So stop fighting to maintain the things of this world that are one day are just going to pass away. The second correction he gives us, right? And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So the one who remembers to stay connected, to plugged in, right? you will have everything that God wants for you to have. Too many times, right, I counsel individuals right, where they come to me, not at the beginning when they're struggling, but at the end where somebody made a decision Right, to break their covenant commitment of their marriage for a weekend. Right? For a weekend of fun. Right? Not knowing the eternal consequences of that decision, all because they were fed up and tired and exhausted. Willing to sacrifice the potential of what God has for the individual 
with eternity. Now, let me tell you, right? It does, I'm not saying that that act isn't beyond God's ability to forgive and restore and to bring people back, because I've seen that also. But don't think that you're living a life where all of a sudden you can say to yourself, man, I'm tired. Because discipleship is long and hard and narrow, and it's painful at times. Because sometimes when we get comfortable, right, we need a kick in that place where we need a kick. Right? And and sometimes we come in broken and hurting and, and we need God's word to comfort us. Right? So in the midst of assurance, we have God's word that admonishes us. God's word that reminds us over and over again. Remember to choose the love of God over the love of this world. You can't have them both. As a matter of fact, I will say this, they are totally opposed of each other. You can't have them both. Right? So if you have the love of God in you, and you are chasing the things of this world, one would have to question, do you have the love of God? Because according to God's word, which we went through, maybe you don't know God. And in doing so, you make yourself a liar. Oh, Jose, why you got to be so hard on us? It's, I'm just preaching God's word. Right? It's, I, I'm, I'm magnifying sometimes the choices or the self-talk that runs through our head. Like, have you ever listened to yourself talk? Let me tell you, if you were in my head, you would say, and you're a pastor? Right? <laughs> because sometimes I have unhealthy, ungodly thoughts. And it's only by God's grace that he just brings me back. Right? And he reminds me. But for some of us, we're willing to go to the boundary. Right? It's be aware of the boundaries. So my question to you is, who are you then? Right? It's who are you? And, and this can have many different potential meanings, right? In other words, are you a child of God? Are you one who's just learning, walking with God? Are you a spiritual father? Are you one who has been with God for a long time, right? And, and, and you're just looking to impart God's word into the next generation. Are you the young men who are strong, who are willing to take the world for God, right? Knowing that in the midst of that, you're going to get persecuted, you're going to be hated, Right? But you're going to say, you know what? It's all well worth living. Right? Because I am going to surrender my entire life for God. Who are you? 
right? Who are you? Maybe some of the young men are sitting here and saying, you know what? I'm ready to lead Trail Life American Heritage Girls. I'm, or, or there might be some saying, you know what? I'm ready to leave a marriage ministry. Whatever it is, who are you? How are you living out your faith? What do you want? Because you can't have it all. You can have God. And when you choose God, guess what you can have? His best. You can have all that he has to offer you. Or you can have the things of this world... And, and if you choose that, according to Scripture, you are not abiding in God. Right? Because those two are opposite of each other. So in our assurance, right, we have a Father who loves us. And we see that love through the giving of His Son, his Son, our Lord and Savior, following His will, going to the cross, conquering sin and death. And in His life, right, as Scripture says that He is the propitiation. In other words, His act is the only thing that has satisfied the wrath of God. The very thing that awaits us if we don't Receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. But then his word would remind us, as believers, do not love the world. Don't go after the things of the world. Because that will lead you astray. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are eternally grateful for your word. So as your children, fathers, mothers, young men and women, as we stand before you, Lord, continue to lead and guide us so that we would, every single day of our lives, continue to live in accordance to God's will in our lives. Lord, the world is trying to lead us astray. The world is trying to take our eyes off of you. And Lord, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would hold us fast. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Would you rise as we worship our God? Thank you again for listening to today's sermon. For more resources and information about Goodwill Church, visit goodwillchurch.org. God bless.